0: To those of you anywhere on location, and to those of you who are tuning in, maybe for the very first time, we do welcome you. And I want to speak faith and courage into your heart. We are living in very different times. (laughs) If there wasn't a greater evidence of that than the fact that pastor is actually going to preach behind the pulpit today. I mean, this is very unusual even for me. Um, but we we are lifi- living in different days. I believe that a decade ago, when Japan had a um, national crisis, it quickly became an international crisis as a tsunami swept their shores, and of course the hearts of countless millions of people around the world were tuned in towards them as fellow human beings, but that crisis created another crisis, and a nuclear plant broke down, and before you knew it, now the direct consequences of that tsunami was uh, being felt in the effects of nuclear uh, pollution going into the waters and into the airways. Ten years ago when that happened, or a decade or more ago when that happened, I was... uh, lecturing in Bible school, and uh, any of my Bible school students that were present in that year would be able to testify to this, and, uh, and I felt very clearly the Holy Spirit said to me, this is just a small window, a picture of what's going to happen in the last days as uh, nations of the world gather around Jerusalem in the Valley of Megiddo, in that final battle called Armageddon. And God made it very clear to me that this was just the tip of an iceberg. And uh, so that prompted uh, Holy Ghost curiosity in me. And so I did something purely, I believe, purely 100% under the inspiration of that word. And I went to the Internet and I went to secular websites I deliberately avoided Christian websites to search out what God had put in my heart and I pulled up a map of the fault lines around the earth and of course uh, tsunamis are the result of fault lines that go under the ocean uh... and earthquakes are the result of fault lines that go across dry ground and uh... The second thing I did was, again, going to secular websites only, pulled up a map of the world of all the nuclear plants around the world. And then I brought the two maps together, and it confirmed what the Holy Spirit was saying inside my heart. Ten, twelve years later, you could go to the Internet, and you will now find dozens of Christian websites that have now compiled those two maps and laid them one on top of the other. And you will be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. And mind you, you can still go to secular websites and look these two things up independently of each other. And what you will see is that in the wisdom of man, somehow, all over the world, we have nuclear plants lying right on top of fault lines. And what the Holy Spirit showed me way back then was only confirmed that, yep, once everything that can be shaken is shaken, as the Bible says, what we saw in Japan will just be a microcosm of what we will see worldwide. I am uh, having a growing conviction in my heart that someday soon I'm going to preach a series from a scientific and, and uh, uh, prophetic point of view about end time events, I'm actually going to run a parallel between people like Nostradamus that the world falls over themselves the, uh, speaking about the accuracy of his prophecies and then show you side by side how specific the Word of God is and in all honesty, how nonsensical the prophetic utterances of Nostradamus and other psychics are and how vague their descriptions are and how they could be applied to dozens of different things and I will show you how accurately to the point where God at times calls people by name 100 years beforehand and prophesies that what they will do about lead uh, as being a leader of a nation And we have such prophecies in the Old Testament about uh, Cyrus, King Cyrus, and we'll go into that another time. But what's prophetically interesting about right now is that the last week of 2019, God put it on my heart to start preaching a series entitled, Draw Me and I Will Run After You. Some of you will remember that series, and I had pulled up some Uh, interesting uh, dances that birds do to attract a mate. This passage of Scripture that I'm referencing comes from the Song of Solomon's. Uh, But that whole series was about God tapping us on the shoulder, wooing us, and us picking up our skirts, so to speak, and running towards him. I had read from the book of Psalms how David says, it is good for me to run after the Lord. And I had made the point in that series over a period of weeks that while we can cry out, God, stir us up so that we will run after you, woo us, it's very important that we as Christians consider the facts that we know, consider the fact that God so loved us, That we never deserve such amazing grace. And if he's willing to do that for us, he deserves our constant attention, our devotion, and our love. And how even without God wooing us, it behooves us, it would be wise of us to just wholeheartedly, passionately run after him. We started the new year with uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting as I felt very specifically that God had told us to do that this year. We don't do that every year. In fact, I can think of maybe only once before in the life of this church that I called the whole church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I understand that some denominations just unilaterally at the beginning of the year start the year off calling their denomination to prayer and fasting. But this year, God put it on my heart very specifically. And as we uh, finish the series, Draw Me and I Will Run After You, we had a ladies' retreat happening. And Dr. Tom Renfro and his wife, who moves quite accurately in the prophetic, her name is Sid, Sid Renfro. They were down here in Tampa visiting with us. Sid was running a ladies' retreat. And uh, some of the men of the church had gathered here Saturday morning to pray. And uh, one of our very own, uh, one of the leaders in this church, Paul Aquino, had uh, mentioned to us in the prayer meeting how that morning as he was getting ready to come, he just kept hearing God uh, quote the scripture to him, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In Isaiah 64, this is what Isaiah the prophet cries out. And as Paul shared that with us, a small group of men here to pray, uh, Dr. Paul, uh, Dr. Uh, Tom Renfro said, that's interesting. My wife rang from the ladies' retreat last night and said that the only thing she keeps hearing God say over and over and over again is, rend the heavens, rend the heavens. Well, as soon as those two men spoke, I just I felt the stirring of the Holy Ghost in my spirit. I felt like God was saying, I'm speaking. And almost immediately, flashed through my head, I want you to preach five things that will rend the heavens. And and my response, and this is typical response between Pastor Rob and, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, I don't know if it affects you like this, but immediately I'm thinking... Uh, okay, why five? What are the five? You're telling me to preach five things. I don't even know what the five things are. In fact, that uh, following Sunday, I came to church, and I announced that I was going to preach five things that rend the heavens. And I had point one. I didn't know what the rest of them were. And before I ever got a chance to take the pulpit, the worship team here was leading us in worship in the presence of God, And uh, they broke out into one of those Holy Ghost-led songs. And they started singing, break, break, break the atmosphere. Break, break, break the atmosphere. And I was standing in front of my seat just weeping at how God was settling my heart and confirming to me that I had heard from Him. And the very first uh, thing that rends the heavens is repentance. I preached on that for maybe three weeks and talked about repentance is not an emotion of guilt or an emotion of sorrow after you consciously are aware of having done something wrong, but that repentance is a lifestyle of changing our thoughts and changing our attitudes and changing, our ways, our culture to line up with everything that God says. If there's anything we believe, if there's any attitude that we would manifest, if there's anything cultural in our lives that is in misalignment with the heart and the attitude of God, there's room for repentance. And so repentance... I know for sure from first-hand experience is a daily thing in Pastor Rob. There's always an attitude or a thought that I can have a change of attitude about, a change of thinking about, and come back to God's way of thinking. Heck, you only got to let me drive on Hillsborough Avenue here uh, for uh, three minutes And immediately I find that I have to start repenting of uh, thoughts that are in my heart. And I'm sure most of you can relate to that. And so I opened up with the scripture, Isaiah 64. And Isaiah the prophet cries out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to shake before you. Here's the prophet Isaiah. And I don't know if you have that scripture on your screen right now, uh, but we're doing something like we do in Bible school often. And I'm using my computer and hopefully... From time to time, you'll be able to see the verse on your TV screen. So Isaiah says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. And then the following week, uh, well, actually not the following week. I stayed on that subject for a couple of weeks. And then God gave me Joel chapter 2, verse 12. And chapter 2 is significant because in verse 12, he says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, With fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart, not your garments. And God comes back and says, well, if you want me to rend the heavens, you need to repent. And so we've talked about repentance as a change of thought, change of belief system, change of attitude. Where necessary, change of culture. Listen, the kingdom of God has its own culture. And while I'm an American, and I'm proud to be American, and while I am genetically have DNA that has roots in Italy, and I'm proud to be Italian, I am absolutely first and foremost a son of the kingdom of God. I am a citizen of heaven, and that's the label, and that's the flag that we pledge our allegiance to first and foremost. Joel says, on behalf of God, rend your hearts, not your garments. Don't just let it be a religious display. You rend your garments as something people see. Don't repent so that other people are impressed. Repent on the secrecy of your mind. Change how you think and change how you're going to act That's repentance. But what's interesting about Joel chapter 2 is that as you keep reading down the chapter, then God prophesies through Joel and says, I will pour out my spirit in the last days on all flesh. And your sons will see visions and your old men will dream dreams and young ladies will prophesy. And on the day of Pentecost, when they're all talking in tongues, Peter takes that scripture and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit says, this is that. Now, Joel spoke about visions, he spoke about dreams, he spoke about prophecy, and here they are, they are praying in an unknown tongue, and Peter, by the Holy Ghost, says, this is that. And if it happened 2,000 years ago, we are 2,000 years closer to the end. It's very important to understand that in the Greek, last days, that phrase actually means the last age or last dispensation. You see, the world is broken up into ages and dispensations, and before the millennium starts, this is the last age. A whole new age started from the moment Jesus was crucified and he rose again. We have come into a kingdom age, a a dispensation of the year of God's favor. And when this age ends, the day of God's wrath will show up with the nations of the world surrounding Israel. And uh, Armageddon will unfold, but God will unfold his wrath as well. And as soon as that comes to completion, once God has had the last say, we will go straight into A 1,000-year reign, the millennium of peace. But the end is still not yet. God has an even better ending than that. But I want you to stay with me. Listen. So this is the road God was taking us on. About uh, a good four or five months ago, one of our lady intercessors who comes every, every morning virtually to pray, We've been praying now as of March the 3rd or 8th, somewhere in there. We have been praying every day for two years. And here we are in March, and here we are uh, facing what we're facing. And so Sandy Mead, about four months ago, said, I keep getting this word outbreak, outbreak, outbreak. And we started to talk how is outbreak different than a breakthrough? What, what, what's different? Why outbreak? What's outbreak? And uh, because we kept talking about it, and she kept getting this really strong uh, for several days in a row, then finally one day, uh, it dawned on me, an outbreak is what happens with a virus. Now, this is pre-coronavirus, okay? If it was happening in, in China way back in November or December, we didn't even know about it. And I said, you know, the thing with an outbreak, is, with a virus, is that it becomes contagious and it just spreads in the air and people catch it uh, seemingly almost with little or no contact. And uh, we, we agreed that God was wanting to pour out his spirit in such a way that it would be like an outbreak. And so I continued preaching this series on rending the heavens and that when God rends the heavens immediately around us as individuals and immediately around us as a congregation, immediately around you as your family, dads, moms, listen to me, because you're the priests in your house and your children's future depends on how much of a godly priest you will be or how carnal you will be. And that's the truth. You want to give your children everything you can in the natural, but you better first make sure you give them everything you can in the supernatural. You could be the best provider of uh, greenback's, You could be the best provider of university education and college education. You could be the best provider of opportunity. But if you haven't set the example as a priest of God in your house, you come up lacking before the Lord. And your children are the ones who would suffer the consequence. I believe that God is speaking to us prophetically. I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. Uh, Absolutely. I'm just setting the stage here so that I can refresh your memory so that you could see how much God has been speaking to us. The other day, Pastor Tom came in. And as you know, within only a couple of weeks, coronavirus went from something that's happening in China to Why is our president closing the borders to China and uh, to suddenly, why isn't he doing more, some people are saying. And now uh, we're talking about New York being in lockdown, California being in lockdown. Uh, We're being urged even here in the state of Florida to take great precaution and many industries are closing down except bare necessities. And Pastor Tom comes in, it was just this week, and he says, I, I want to show you something. And he's talking to Pastor Carlos and myself. And uh, I, I just love the fact that this church is filled with spirit-filled, spirit-led people. And uh, I, I, I just love it. He says, you know, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we always read verse 14. We hardly ever quote verse 13. And verse 14 is, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And we'll get into that in just a moment. He says, but have a look at verse 13. And so I'm going to take you to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse, uh, well, just before we go to verse 13, I want to set the context, the context of what we're about to read. In 2 Chronicles, starting chapter 7, verse 11. Solomon had just completed the temple. And they had dedicated it. And the temple was the place where people pray and worship God. I think it's interesting, and you you don't have to put any emphasis on this if you don't want to, but personally, I think it's interesting that I've called the church... Uh, those who can to start praying with us every morning and it's been two years. We've made this temple a house of prayer and we've made this building a place where the temples of God come and pray together and there's been more emphasis on prayer than ever before. And so, uh, in fact, we've started prayer teams and we have intercessors meeting on Tuesday nights and Pastor Jan uh, under... uh, you know, mutual discussion and agreement is going to be starting multiple prayer groups uh, as well as the prayer meetings that happen every day, seven days a week. Verse 11, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, this is the context. Now I'm going to give you The, God's response, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now look at verse 13. When I shut up the heavens, stop. Do you understand? God sometimes allows for the heavens to be shut up. Six weeks ago, God put it on our hearts. He knocked on the door of this church. He knocked on the spirit of men and women in this congregation and said, I want you to start praying for the heavens to be rent. Watch what happens here. I want you to see how prophetically we are in sync with the heart and the mind of God. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain... Or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Isn't it interesting that God had told me, and I never quoted this scripture so far in this series on rending the heavens, God said the first thing to rend the heavens is to repent. And God says here, when I shut up the heavens, if my people humble themselves as part of the repentant process, and turn from their wicked ways. Church, we are hearing from the Holy Ghost, but wait, there's more. <laughs> I want you to Understand what's happening globally around the world because this is not just a word for this church. You see, God will give the wake-up call first to his church. Judgment or expectation starts first in the house of God. Accountability starts first in the house of God. You and I are the light of the world. Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not leaders of nations. You and I are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. If the church could only get a revelation of how important we are in God's economy. People vote presidents in and they vote presidents out. But the blood of Jesus has grafted you into the church and nothing can take you out. Amen. Thank you. We the church, God looks to us. Why the heck do we look to governments? God is looking to us, the church, to come into alignment and to come into agreement with His Spirit and His voice. So that he can move on the earth. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1. Before God could move on the earth by his Holy Spirit. The word of God had to stand on the edge of the universe and speak. And when the word of God, the son of God stood on the edge of the universe. And spoke the will of God. The spirit of God who was hovering over the face of confusion, started to move, started to release life and the creative will of God. You're not seated in heavenly places so that you could take a Ferris wheel ride. You are seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ because that's where the church belongs, in government over the government of the kingdom of darkness. And we rule and reign in this life through our intercession, through our faith, and through our prayers. God speaks to the church and He says, command the heavens! And then God's Spirit will move. And so in the same way, in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth as He is today. But the Son of God stood on the edge of the universe and spoke the will of God. We, the church must come to prayer. We must come to places of repentance and we must come to places of faith in who we are in Jesus Christ and the power and the authority that is vested in us. Stop looking to governments. God is looking to His church to agree with His government so He can unleash His Holy Spirit. And so six weeks ago, God was knocking on the hearts of people like Paul, Sid Renfro, myself, and others in the church. I think Kathy, the following Saturday, before I got up to preach on the Sunday, she came to the prayer meeting and had this scripture, "Rend the Heavens, God. God already knew coronavirus was coming. And He's telling the church, start cleaning up your act. Start repenting. Because I want to visit the earth. I want to bring an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. You know, every time God's going to move, the devil feels it. He senses it. He's akin to the spirit realm. When God was going to bring a deliverer to the Hebrew children in Egypt, what did Pharaoh do? He started killing off all the young male baby boys. When uh, the devil knew that God was going to bring a deliverer to the whole world, what did Herod do? He started killing off all the young Hebrew boys. If you don't think the devil can sense when revival is coming, then you are spiritually insensitive to the spirit world and spirit realities. The devil knows when God's getting ready to move, and so he will always counter with a counter move. And this outbreak of coronavirus is a counterfeit of what's going to come in the Holy Ghost. I believe it. I believe it. But watch this. I want to show you what's been happening around the world. Because the Bible says we need to be uh, cognizant of the signs of the time, but also cognizant of the seasons that we are in. Remember, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, spiritual leaders, because they were not sensitive to what's going on in the spirit realm, in the spirit world. We are spirit filled people, and we are open to prophetic things. We are open to visions and dreams by the Spirit of God. We are open to the miraculous. And God relies even more so on His spirit filled church. He can awaken them and send the message. So, watch. We all heard about the unprecedented bushfires in Australia. Now, I lived in Australia for 29 years, (sighs) unprecedented bushfires. More land has been scorched than ever in recorded history in Australia, ever. For us Americans, sometimes world news is, is what's happening within our 50 contiguous states. And so sometimes we don't really have a world view. Let me tell you, what Australia just went through was a baptism of fire, a baptism of devastation. I, for one, can personally tell you, having roots uh, and friends and family there, uh, far worse than you can imagine or the... 30-second clip you can see on the evening news. Unprecedented fires. A whole continent was on fire. Now, when I say a whole continent, I mean large, massive areas. And I want to read something to you. Unprecedented bushfires in Australia preceded by vast drought. You see here in verse 13, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, Fire season in the Australian states of Queensland and New South Wales got off to an early and ugly start in September 2019. Fueled by a long and deepening drought, more than 100 fires burned in forest and bush areas near the southeast coast, including some subtropical rainforests and eucalyptus forests that do not often see any fire. According to the Australian Bureau of Meteorology, August rainfall was below average over much of New South Wales, southern Queensland, northern and eastern Victoria, South Australia, and northern Tasmania. And conditions are not expected to improve anytime soon. Drier than normal conditions have persisted since the beginning of 2017. And according to... BOOM, which is the Bureau of Meteorology, the past 32 months have been the driest on record for New South Wales, 34% below average. We see these bushfires, but you need to understand those bushfires had unprecedented effect on a, a massive continent and several islands, Kangaroo Island, Tasmania Island, Because of unprecedented drought. But the Bible here says drought and locusts. Right now, as of the beginning of this year, 13 nations are being invaded by locusts. The UN's Food and Agricultural Organization, FAO, says a food crisis could be looming in East Africa if more resources are not forthcoming and has appealed to donors for an additional $62 million. Control operations against locusts are underway in 13 countries, from India in the east all the way across to Mauritania in West Africa. The main threats are in East Africa, Yemen, as well as the Gulf states, Iran, Pakistan, and India. Most recently, locusts have been seen in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and swarms have arrived in Kuwait, Bahrain, and Qatar, uh, and along the coast of Iran. The FAO has told us that in three of the worst affected countries, Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia, they have estimated that at least 247,105 acres in which one needs to be sprayed with insecticide. Over 247,000 acres. By the end of January, they were substantially short of their target in those countries and East Africa, Ethiopia alone had 55,500 acres covered in locusts. Kenya had 49,421 acres covered in locusts. Somalia, 37,065 acres. The call from the United Nations was so serious that even the Bill Gates Foundation stepped up and started donating millions of dollars because this is a major crisis affecting those parts of the world. These insects, which eat their body weight in food every day, are breeding so fast that numbers could grow 400 to 500 times by June this year. See, church, this is what I believe. I believe God's on the throne and God is in control. But I also believe that this is a small picture of what is about to come. And God is giving a wake-up call to us, his church. Wake up. Dads, moms, young people. Whatever is in our lives that doesn't line up with God's attitude and God's thoughts. Your attitude to worship, your attitude to how diligent you should be in reading your Bible or coming to church or tithing or witnessing, your attitude towards your Christian life. If you're just resting on the fact that your sins are forgiven and your name's written in the book and you're just walking your own merry way, doing your own merry thing, you are already in deception. Because our salvation is a daily thing. I am saved, and I am being saved, the Word of God tells me. And so I thank God that my salvation is secure in Christ. But every day, I am in relationship with my Father, and I have to ask myself, how's that relationship doing? From Him to me, it's doing phenomenal all the time. From me to Him, eh, sometimes this party needs to get His act together a little bit. And I think we can all say amen to that. What am I saying church? I'm saying repentance is the first thing that'll rend the heavens. What I'm saying is 6 weeks before coronavirus became a major concern here in the United States and and is a major concern in nations around the world, God was knocking on this church and saying I need you. I need you. Start getting your act together. Accountability starts here in my house. And You know, he's called me to challenge you with a message that, you know, the very word repentance is often mocked and frowned upon. But God's calling us to address things that need to be addressed. You dads, you need to set the example in your home. You need to be the one urging your family to follow you to church on time to worship and to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Moms, step up. Young people, step up. There's room for you. The Bible says a child will lead them. So if mom and dad are sitting on the fence, you get off the fence and say, I want to go to church. But one and all, every one of us, if Jesus Christ is God and he gave up his life for the mess that I was, and for the mess I'm sure you were, then who are we to act belligerent? Who are we to act indifferent? Who are we to act callously towards the things of God? The sole reason we're still here is because God needs His church to be missionaries in a world of darkness. And the sooner we're walking right and we're filled with the Holy Ghost. What did I preach last week? About the ten virgins. Five couldn't be bothered getting extra oil. But the other five made sure they were overflowing with oil. This is a time. God is talking to us prophetically as a church. And listen, if God knocked on our door six weeks ago, then that tells me God wants to do something. And that's what excites me. When this this thought first came to me, it actually brought me to tears. It humbled me. That God would actually knock or tap on our shoulders and want us to get involved in something he wants to do. You see, my heart's not full of fear, it's full of faith. I'm speaking facts to you from the word of God and you can, you know, you could brush it aside. But the truth of the matter is if we're wise and we're like those five wise virgins who say, okay, I'm hearing from the spirit, I'm going to get my heart right, make sure that I burn my passion for Jesus even brighter than ever. I'm going to soak up as much of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to witness. I'm going to speak the word of faith. I'm going to lay hands wherever I have the opportunity to pray for people. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to come to the prayer meetings when it's worship time. Even if we're worshiping in our house, I'm going to raise my hands and raise my voice and give glory to God. Church, it's time to be the church. It's time to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's time to stir ourselves up. We can't just wait for God to stir us up. Hey listen, when I was a little boy my grandma gave me a toy but to have any interaction with that toy you had to wind it up. And then once it was it, it outdid its wind up it just sat there lifeless. And some of us Have a relationship with God like that. We can only tap dance and sing and praise when God winds us up a bit. Where is the inner motivation and the inner conviction that God is all that and he's worth it? It is good for me, David said. And I'm saying, it is good for Pastor Rob to run after God. Come on, church. I believe that God is wanting to pour out His Spirit. And I believe that for those who don't prepare themselves and get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to get full of something else. Because if you were once full of the Holy Ghost and you're not full to overflowing, that vacancy must be filled. That void will be filled with something. Even the laws of science, the laws of this natural realm teach us that. And I urge you all over to join with me. Come on, dads. There are things you need to repent of. Get right. Every day, every attitude, I find myself in my sleep. It happened again this week. In the middle of my sleeping, I heard myself praying to God. And I'm saying, God, just cleanse me of everything from the past. Don't let any residue or remainder remain in me. I want to walk right with you. You see, I'm not praying that out of a sense of condemnation or guilt. I know, me and God, we're good. I know that because I'm walking with him. And yet there's an honest, sincere, lover's type response to God that says, Daddy, remove anything anything that would be offensive. Let even the things of the past that once were in my life, let even those things, not, a, not even the smell of it remain in me. I'm calling on everyone that we would have a heart and a mindset of daily repentance and that we would start to pray because I believe that coronavirus is a counterfeit of what God would want to do. I believe God wants to send a revival. I believe God wants to send a revival to this church. I believe God wants to send a revival around the world. But he needs his church to respond. Listen, the Holy Ghost could have fell on the day of Pentecost on the upper room. They probably started with 500 because the Bible says 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. But Jesus didn't tell them when he would come. He said, wait. When he finally came, they were whittled down to 120. But here's the reality. If even that 120 had given up their post and stopped waiting and stopped hungering, point number two to rending the heavens, if 120 weren't hungry enough to stay, it's quite conceivable that the day of Pentecost could have come and gone. And the Spirit of God would have fell on the upper room and it would have been the empty room. So God wants to move. My question is, are you going to be in the upper room or will you be an empty room? I don't want to be with the five virgins that didn't have enough oil. And so as the pastor of this church, I'm speaking to you prophetically. It is time. For those of you that might be listening from different parts of America or from around the world, I will not be ashamed to say it's time for us to repent to turn from things we do in secret, to turn from attitudes that don't line up with what we see in Jesus or line up with things that we see in the Word of God. And it's time for us to become passionate about the things of God. If there's anything that precedes your passion for God, you have an idol in your life. Anything that precedes your passion for God is already an idol. And so there's room in all of us to have a change of mind and a change of heart. And I believe, whether we're getting together here or just through our homes, whatever this takes, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I'm calling you, the church, to prayer. I'm calling you to pray in your living rooms. Husbands, dads, wives, women. Grandpas, grandpas, young people, come on. It is time. The church needs to rise up and stand because the world is floundering without the salt and without the light that is vested in you and me. If this world is in a mess, we're the answer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart and you're watching us today, then friend I want to tell you the most important thing you could do is to acknowledge that God's Word is truth and that God became flesh, loves us so much that He was willing to die on that cross where you and I should have been. He became the curse so you and I could be set free from the curse. Even this curse. He is our healer, our savior, our deliverer. Let him be your savior today. To everyone else watching, if you're born again, he's your healer. He's your deliverer. I have great faith in what's ahead. Not fear, great faith. But I want you to understand what's ahead. To the world, it is dismal, and it will be. But to those who are inheriting salvation, what lies ahead is outpourings of the Holy Ghost. Right now, if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, repeat after me and pray this prayer. And let us know, either by phone, you can phone us or contact us through Facebook. But let us know that you ask Jesus into your heart. Close your eyes and pray with me. Dear God, I believe that you're real. And I believe that you became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. And you died on that cross for me. And today, heaven is my witness. I'm asking you, Jesus Christ, to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my mistakes, and there have been plenty. Forgive me of the things I know I did wrong and even the things I don't realize I've done wrong. Jesus, come into my life. I don't want you to just forgive me. I want you to live in me and take control. Live through me. Help me to live for you. Jesus, I welcome you to be my Lord and my Savior and to govern my life. I give my heart to you right now. Father, I believe that you are hearing me and I receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And by faith in Christ, I believe today I am born again. Amen. I would love for you to contact this church. Our phone number is 813 855 8491. Or you could contact us through Facebook and let us know that you just invited Jesus Christ into your heart. We have New Testament Bibles, specifically designed to be easy to read for young believers, those who have just asked Christ, I'll mail it to you. If you're willing to give us your your address, your physical address, no cost to you, as a free gift from God, we will mail it to you. Uh, So just, just respond. To those of you that are worshiping with us today, whether you're part of grace and faith or not, uh, if, uh, for those of you that are visitors if you feel led you could join in with us in tithing and bringing offerings. Church I'm sure I don't need to say that the expenses here continue whether the seats are full or not. We pay a mortgage we pay electricity, we have staff and uh, operations of ministry we have homeless folk that we provide housing to. Uh, I encourage you, I, I am before God, I'm going to stay in a place of faith where I can continue to do the things that I've promised to do. And I need you and would love for you to be faithful in your tithing and your giving. Many of you have already given online in the past. You can give online. You can also now take advantage, all of you, to a new platform that we have recently adopted in the church. And that is called text. To give, we have set up a platform where, right there on your phone, you can text and make your tithes and offerings to the church. If you're watching either on our YouTube channel, Grace and Faith Church YouTube channel, or on Grace and Faith Church website, or on Grace and Faith Church uh, Facebook page, Right now on your screen is coming up a number for text to give. The number is 813-773-2741. And right there as you put that in your text, uh, put that as the number in your text, it will then give you prompts and you can bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. I close with something that honestly happened, and I have to say it. I am not saying this to pull on your, your heart or your pocketbooks. I, I believe, those of you that are part of this church, you know Pastor Rob believes in giving credit where credit is due and giving honor where honor is due. Just this week, we had a, a middle-aged lady in this church who's just uh, never married and Uh, Just has part-time work. As uh, to my knowledge, never been in a a great financial place. She's been working part-time. And just this week, she lost her part-time work. And she came to church here uh, with a check. And she came with a sorrowful heart. Sorry that she couldn't give more than what she was giving. And here's this woman who has never been of great financial means, only working part-time and now lost her part-time work. She had written a check for $150 to Grace and Faith Church and was sorrowful she couldn't give more. To that woman, if you're watching, you know who you are. The moment I was alerted of that, I immediately started praying and I started bragging about you. And I started from my mouth to God's ears saying, God, you bless her. Because that's faith. That's not the evidence of fear. That's the evidence of faith. Faith in a God who will look after her. And so dad, even now publicly, I say bless her and bless her super abundantly. And as your sons and daughters continue to be faithful to the work of the kingdom of God here on earth in their giving and in their tithing. Father, bless them in Jesus' name. Let all the blessings from that song and all the blessings from your word, Father, be on them and their children and their children's children in Jesus' name. Grace and faith, church. And to all of you who are watching, thank you for giving us your time. But to your advantage, give your heart wholeheartedly to God the Father. Invite the Holy Spirit to start filling you up, convicting you when necessary, nudging you, pushing you, doing whatever he needs to do I believe with all my heart we are living in the end of the last days. But great is the victory for those who are grounded on the rock of salvation, Jesus Christ. We will not fear the terror by day or the pestilence by night. Though a thousand might fall at our right hand and 10,000 at our left, God will rescue us Because we have cried out to Him and believed in Him. Church, be of good courage, fear not, be filled with faith, and get even more full of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking forward to meeting with you next Sunday. How and where, we will let you know as we go day by day. But we will meet again next Sunday. God bless you. Stay safe. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Amen.